0: It's not just dating apps it's also i think getting used to the anonymity
1: of the internet you're listening to Good Is In The Details. I'm Gwendolyn Dolsky. Rudy Salo has the day off, but not to worry, we've got a great episode with
2: two fantastic
1: guests. My favorite indie pod out there is called My Worst Date. And the hosts of that show, Keegan and Christina, are joining me to talk about dating culture. Now, their podcast has endless content. It is so witty, it is so clever. People write in describing their worst dates. What I like about My Worst Date, the podcast not my actual worst date, but the podcast, is that it is taking these real stories and revealing a lot about what our expectations are, what are our concerns, what is it that we want out of life, out of love, out of relationships. It's such a joy to have Keegan and Christina on the pod to talk about this. It's February. Love is in the air. Romance is in the air. Let's take a look at what's going on with dating culture. Keegan and Christina, welcome to Good Is In The Details. I have been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. I have a list of podcasts that I recommend and some podcasts on that list, they like change over the seasons, but your podcast is always on that list. It's, it's, It's such a gem. It's so much fun. It's thoughtful. It's clever. And it really gives a window into our culture, I think let's just start with the origin of my worst date how did it come about
3: wow well thank you first first of all
1: that's mm-hmm. like one of the
3: nicest intros of truly time. yeah thank you so much
0: <laughs> and likewise yeah. by the way i absolutely love your podcast and i do recommend your podcast to people all the time so oh, thank you <laughs> so yeah our podcast so oh
3: my gosh it's been going on for a while now almost
0: six years so yeah it all started kind of, I remember exactly how it came about. So Christina was newly single. She'd been, how long were you married?
3: Uh, Seven years. Seven years, but you were yeah. with
0: your ex for even longer than that. So it had been a long time, safe to say you'd never been on the apps before. Mm -mm. And you were telling us, we were at the beach, Christina was telling us about what it is like dating and she was telling these absolutely bonkers stories. And as someone who also has never been on the apps, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I cannot believe that people behave this way. And then that evening or the next evening, Christina wasn't with us, but Cassie and I, who's our other co-host, we were together at a bar and I was relaying these stories that Cassie was or that Christina was telling us when i was telling these stories other people were chiming in and they were like oh that's nothing here's here's my worst date or here's a date that somebody told me one time and it was just escalating in wild behavior right Mm -hmm. and so i think it was cassie at that point because i had had another podcast so, I was well versed in podcasting at this point. And Cassie was like, you know, we should have a podcast all about bad dates and, you know, what's your worst date? And we can call it my worst date. And we have to get Christina in on it because she's out there dating. And <laughs> so, I think maybe the next day or sometime not long after that, we, yeah. we approached Christina with the idea. And I think you may have been a little hesitant.
1: I, I was. <laughs>
3: I was at first, but it was really strange because as soon as we started, we, have maintained like the same format from the beginning, the chit chat, then going into the FMK and then the bad dates and then the tainted love, like the true crime at the end. For me, I think the thing that sticks with me about the creation of the podcast is like, yes, we talk about dating and culture, but it's always been for me about hanging out with my friends. And Mm -hmm. I think friendship has been the cornerstone of our show. That's the thing I hope that people take away from it. It's like, yeah, dating is wild. It's so hard. It's so weird. It's so awkward for everybody. But like the one thing we can do is laugh about it with our friends.
1: Did you ever read Aziz Ansari's book on modern romance by any chance?
3: I haven't. Oh,
1: Oh, it was before, you know, like everything that happened with him, which had to do with a worse date. But his book, it was like this sociological dive into dating and how technology had altered it, how it started out that when people dated, so let's say our grandparents, it's because you were in the same neighborhood Mm -hmm. or you went to the same church or the same school, you had the same ethnicity, religion, first language, race, all of that, that was the glue. But then over time- what has happened is that people they find each other through interests. And mm-hmm. so those other things aren't the center anymore. And then when it comes to from newspaper ads, to then um, using the computer, then internet, and then apps, the endless possibilities of people that you can meet, the fact that you can now date somebody that you have no connection with, meaning like no family or friends know each other, that it's actually given way for people to behave terribly Mm -hmm. because there's no social cost. So years ago, if you were cruel to somebody, it would get back to people that you knew in your circle. But now there's no social cost. And so it's like, is this dating swiping culture, is it changing us or is it just revealing who we are? That is amazing. I have so much to say
3: about that because I do think that the dating app culture is also contributing to like a paradox of choice Mm -hmm. where you relationships, you know, are not perfect all of the time. And if it's really easy when there's a bump in the road, you have every person on the apps in your phone, in your pocket. I think it just makes it so easy for people to walk away.
0: Right. And like Gwen said, there's also no real social cost to just blocking and walking away. There's like, I think we see that a lot too, just the the phenomenon of ghosting as well, where you can just kind of just block across all apps and and never speak to that person again.
3: Well, Gwen, something else that's come up recently, uh, I would say we've gotten a lot of stories of people who have not not just gone on a few dates and ghosted but people that have actually like moved in together and have been together Mm -hmm. for years someone just literally moving out like in the Mm -hmm. afternoon ghosting like irl it's bananas so whether or not dating what came first the chicken or the egg uh our bad behavior i think has always been there and dating apps have made it worse I think I I think
0: dating apps have made it worse and we've also had this conversation recently where it's not just dating apps it's also I think getting used to the anonymity of the internet Mm -hmm. like whenever your whole life you can kind of just be anonymous and not face consequences for the things that you say and do online I think it's made people Uh, More As someone personally who is non-confrontational already, who fears confrontation, it's made it so much easier for people to just be like, well, I never have to deal with this. I never have to deal with confrontation or consequences or anything. And I think that that can bleed over into real life Mm -hmm. where it's just like you've lived your whole life this way online. The idea of confrontation now scares you, but you've moved in with someone. So you're going to say, I love you, have a good day at work and then be gone (laughs) by the time they get home (laughs) you (laughs) know
1: um incredible me too yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's the vulnerability that's just extremely human like you can't have love and this includes friendships right and even relationships Mm. with your family members not just romantic but vulnerability is part of it And we don't want to feel any shame or embarrassment. And so we'll do anything Mm -hmm. to get rid of it. But we don't realize when you're getting rid of that, you're getting rid of what makes relationships relationships. Because it's Christina, it's like you said, with our friendships, we know of all of our quirks of our friendships. Mm -hmm. And we love them because of that. But in the dating sphere, when somebody shows that, we don't give them the same grace as we would to a friend or a family member.
3: Yeah. I do think too that it's like – there are beige flags and the, there are red flags. And I think especially the last few years as polarized as we've gotten, I think that things that may have been beige flags to me like years ago have now become like bright red flags.
1: Ooh, I wanna hear an example.
3: I, I think ideology <laughs> is big up there for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that was as big of a deal to me Five, ten years ago, as it is now, where I just, I really wouldn't entertain somebody that doesn't have the same political ideology. Yeah, you know,
0: that's funny because I was just thinking about that. So our first 20 episodes are now on our Patreon because there was a learning curve whenever we first started recording with three people. So we've put that on our Patreon. But I know our very first episode or our first couple episodes, we talked about what our deal breakers would be. Mm -hmm. And that was mine. It was like, if we disagree fundamentally, if our worldview is is completely counter, then I'm not even going to get started. And I feel Um, like that's only gotten worse over the last six years. I
3: definitely agree. And then Gwen, you've probably seen those studies that have come out that like Gen Z has gotten even more separated, you know, Mm -hmm. by the genders with young women becoming really a lot more progressive and liberal and then young men in the internet manosphere that kind of thing becoming way more conservative and i i think that those separations are worrying to me at least i think i would not want to try to date in my early 20s today that's for sure
1: <laughs> oh yeah no the there is a backlash. Absolutely. I've, I've seen that the more the more progressive women are then all of those traits, the things that are very human, you know, pursuing careers or interests mm-hmm. or things like that, it's, it's all being downgraded. And, you know, there's this assumption that if a woman is nurturing in any way, loving, then that's somehow, I, I, I don't know, I'm just like, I, I'm just kind of blown away by the way that some people are saying that, hey, if you're nurturing or loving, then that's traditional when that, That's not Mm -hmm. true. That's still part of you could be progressive and loving and nurturing. So there seems to be this mix up of the way in which we're supposed to be. I think it's really damaging for people entering relationship. Go ahead and go with somebody who has the same values or what you want, or if your religion is important to you and you want to date somebody of the same religion, then that's who you date. There's no problem with that. But I think the problem is really this vitriol toward the people that you wouldn't be dating in the first place and telling mm-hmm. them how they're supposed to exist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. We,
0: we always say, put it in your bio. That's mm-hmm. something that we, we always say. It's kind of like a, a phrase that we say on the show very often because it's like, if it is important to you, it is your responsibility to convey that this is something that is important to you. Put that in your bio. If your religion is really important to you, if you mm-hmm. have political views that are really important to you, if it's important that your partner align with you on those things, Things, then you should be really upfront about those things and not expect every person that you date to fit into this category that you've created.
1: What do you think about this phrase? Because I'm not crazy about it, but I would love to know what you think of uh, when people are talking about high value women or high value men. Oof. Oh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> gross. Sorry. Are, we, Sorry. are we allowed to curse on this? I yes, know, yes I just... can put an explicit on it. Is but I was just listening to one of your episodes and I'm like, I'm going to need to let them know it's okay to curse on this. We'll just put <laughs> an oh, explicit yeah. on it. No, Oh sorry but no
3: I <laughs> everybody is high value. First and foremost, every person is high value. So this whole, I don't know if if podcast culture is like, tapped into this, but seeing those clips sometimes of, of these like, Oh, this is what it is to be a high value man. I'm just I am immediately
0: value is subjective. Yes, as well. Like, what does that mean? I feel like that would vary so much from person to person. And so when it's being used on the internet, I think it it means something very specific, and it usually is monetary. Like it, it usually has something to do with how much money someone is making. Which, in my or view, does for not women, necessarily like looks or looks mm-hmm. for women. Yeah. yeah, and how well you quote unquote maintain yourself or whatever. Those things don't necessarily make someone high value to me personally. Right. Yeah, I I just think it's it's a very silly conversation. <laughs> I just think too
3: something that's worrisome to me growing into my middle age now is how much in the last 10 years, like it really does feel like just such a backlash against feminism. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're seeing it right now with, you know, everyone going nuts about Taylor Swift. And it's like, are they just angry that she's a successful woman in her Mm thirties that's not married with kids and makes her own money and is happy? Is is that what everyone's angry about? Cause that's kind of what it feels like.
1: That's what the offense is. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, t- I think that one of the issues with marriage is that for a long time that marriage was based on an economic need. like, an ac- mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I economic need. It wasn't love and romance based. And so if you were a man, you needed that labor at home to boost your career, somebody to take care. And then for women, the marriage was her source of income up mm-hmm. until about the 70s. And then once you remove that economic need, because in the 70s you have Title IX, women can open their own checking accounts. They have more access to different types of careers. And it turns out men can do their own laundry. So once <laughs> <Shocking>. you <laughs> so once you remove the economic need then relationships can be based on desire and attraction. So some people have said, what is this deal with all the genders and all the different and queerness and all these different types of, well, it's because it's relevant now. So you could, mm-hmm. you it wasn't relevant who you were attracted to for a long time because that's mm-hmm. not what the marriage was based on. Now relationships are based on. Attraction. And so you have this room to be how you want to be. And women can pursue their careers. Yeah, I don't know what men are doing, but men can do their thing. But, you know, (laughs) but women can do all these things. But that's the threat is how dare you not um, need me for your survival? And for me, that's Mm -hmm. what enhances the relationship is the fact that you Mm -hmm. don't require somebody for their survival. Absolutely. My
3: partner actually, um, so we just got married last year. One of the things that he, joked about like his family pretty much he was raised being told don't get married until you're older than 35 like don't do it and he maintained that and he's like he had been in several long term relationships before we had gotten together but i'm just like i think that's such great advice i really do Mm -hmm. especially nowadays like you said that there's no i mean there is kind of economic incentive in it these days because you do kind of have to have two incomes in order to... Depending on where you live, (laughs) that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, there's no rush. Marriage doesn't feel like the W that it used to. I think that makes it even more special if you do decide to do it because there's really no need mm-hmm. to.
1: When it comes to your podcast, I'm just curious about the content that you get, because you must be getting emails of this story and that story. So what is your process of what is going to make it on the show? Or how many do you get? Or like, I just want to know what it's like. And do you get it from different groups of people, like different sexualities, different or men, women, like who's writing in and how do you decide which story gets told?
0: Well, we definitely get it. Uh, we get stories from all across the spectrum. Men write in, women write in. We've had people of all different sexual orientations and lifestyles write in. And I think as far as selection, I think we, will not read anything on the podcast that we feel like is shamey in any kind of way so certainly not body shamey sometimes Mm -hmm. we we get Mm -hmm. some of those where their worst date has something to do with something physical about the other person we won't read those but we'll read just about anything as long as it isn't offensive
3: and we also in terms of selecting sometimes some of the worst dates we get are not Mm -hmm. funny they are legitimately somebody's worst Date. And so we will share those too because we do feel that it's important every now and then to just remind people. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is something silly and fun, but, you know, sometimes it's a story can maybe someone can pick up a tip right. from it and learn and maybe not find themselves in that situation. We've
0: definitely had stories that we've told where we've had to give content warnings on the front end because the story has to do with abuse or sexual assault or something of of that nature. We will still tell those stories if we feel like it is appropriate because yes, worst dates can be funny. They can Mm -hmm. be something silly but they can also be really, really scary. And especially as women, I mean, all people, but especially as women, I think that's something that we always need to be just aware of, that that is a possibility. We've also gotten stories where people have written in and shared things like that, stories of abuse, stories of sexual assault, in such a way that I didn't feel comfortable reading it on the podcast. And either we would kind of just talk about it on the podcast just as a Mm -hmm, um, topic mm -hmm. of discussion. Or if I didn't even feel like I could do that, I've just written the person back and thanked them for sharing their story and letting them know that we have read it. We are here for them. We love them, but we won't be reading it on the show.
3: Yeah. And that's that's what's so moving too is like that we we do have people that write in and and will share something so personal or something that that was traumatic or is traumatic to them and that they feel that we can comfort them in any way or honor them, that they share it with us, I think is one of the things I hold dearest about the podcast is that for a lot of young people out there that are dating, it makes me happy that they feel like that we care because we do, we care a lot. So that's one of the, I think my favorite
2: things about having the podcast. And now a quick break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode of good is in the details. CLM creations is a small woman owned business with an innovative new hairstyling tool that Sherry, the founder spent 10 years developing to give her thin straight hair, body and lift. It did everything that a diffuser attachment did for her and more while being much easier to travel with. After her breast cancer diagnosis in 2020, Sherry decided that she wasn't going to let cancer beat her. Radiation treatment caused her hair to thin and break off while detangling. Because of this, she discovered that her new hairbrush could detangle and minimize further damage. She decided to manufacture and sell her patented hairbrush. The CLM Volumizer was born. The CLM Volumizer is a three-in-one hair tool that works as a diffuser, a brush, and styling device that will detangle and amp up the volume while creating natural-looking curls, beach waves, or straighter locks. Go to our show notes to get your link to CLM Volumizer and use offer code GOOD15 for a discount. And now back to the show.
1: What are some safety tips that you would give? And What would be the safety tips for, let's say, women versus men? Mm, Interesting. I mean, I think
0: across the board and I feel like this is something that is more well-known now, but we do still get stories, always meet at a public place, never meet at your house, Mm -hmm. their house, because we've had stories across gender lines, very scary stories. You don't know this person, even if you've been talking for a while, we've gotten a few of those as well, where like you think you know someone, but communicating via text, even communicating on the phone, you don't know them. Any number of things could go wrong and you don't want them to know where you live. So Mm -hmm. always meet in a public place. That to me, is probably my number one yeah. safety tip.
3: Yeah. When I was dating, I had um an account for I think it's called Spokio or something, where you can basically Google if somebody was uh, you know, involved in crime or that kind of mm-hmm. thing. My mother, who is in her 60s, is back on the dating scene. I've done that for her and actually like uncovered
0: some uncovered things. Uncovered some
3: things. So I'm like. Technology exists, use it, you know? Yeah, try to-
0: yeah, and with that said, I know when Christina was dating, and I think sometimes this used to annoy her because she is a strong, independent woman, <laughs> uh, but she is a strong, independent woman with a group of fierce and nosy girlfriends. And so we would always say, like, if you're going on a date with somebody, send us their Tinder profile, take a screenshot of their Mm -hmm. Tinder profile so we know who you're out with. There was one time, and we love telling this story, where Christina went out on a date And then it was like the next day, it was like middle of the next day in the afternoon and no one had heard from Christina. And we are like phone treeing each other. Like, have you heard from Christina? Have you heard from Christina? Is she responding to your text messages? And we were about to drive to her house because we're like, something happened on this date. She's been datelined, you know, um, <laughs> but she wasn't, and she was safe. But I would say that that is definitely something that I would recommend with your girlfriends, your trusted people in your Sharing life, your location, share your location, share your information, and then the other thing. And this seems like a no brainer, but as a people pleaser, non confrontational person, I know that it's an issue for me, and I know it's an issue for a lot of people because we get the emails trust your instincts you don't have to be nice (laughs) like you don't always have to be like super nice and polite if somebody is making you feel really unsafe and uncomfortable it's okay honestly to get up and leave through the back door you don't Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. have to stay you don't have to get in their car. There's been so many stories where people have said like, hey, he really made me uncomfortable, but he insisted that he drive me home or he insisted that he drive me to the train station and I got in his car. And usually those things end up okay, but they don't always. So right. trust your instincts.
1: It's something we've covered in my philosophy of sex and love class. And I'm just wondering from your end is that we, we'll talk about sex education and what are some of the presuppositions that go into the way in which we talk about relationships between men and women basically all heterosexual teaching We it's not mm-hmm. really taught in any other way and one of the things if that, it's taught at all yeah if it's taught at all so one of the things that has come up you know and one of the battles about sex education is that it's being taught younger and younger it's a discussions really about consent it's not like you know sex stuff. But there's this tension between teachers and with parents about what is being taught. And the reason why it's being taught younger and younger is because of the internet and because a lot of people's first uh, sex education is coming Mm -hmm. from pornography, which is increasingly violent. And so this is teaching Mm -hmm. young men and young women how they're supposed to be performing. And then I'm thinking that that is finding its way into the dating culture now. How are all of Mm -hmm. these creepy and dangerous situations even happening if there's this idea that for a man to be romantic, he's supposed to just grab the woman you know, and kiss her and he doesn't need permission or anything like that, that a lot of it is coming maybe from this culture from when they were younger that their first understanding of sexuality is coming from such a dark place.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I can't. I am glad to be uh, in my (laughs) forties right now. I really am. There's a lot of days where I think about. I have such empathy for Gen Z and Gen Alpha who are. I I had an analog childhood. My first encounter with porn was like a hustler in the woods. (laughs) So,
0: in the woods. In the woods.
3: So. Yeah, I mean, of course, my parents' Joy of Sex book under under their bed. So
0: <laughs> My parents had the Karma Sutra. I feel like you're a Karma Sutra household or a Joy of Sex household. <laughs> yes.
3: the, the pencil drawings of full bushes. <laughs> that is my <laughs> sex ed. So, yeah, these poor babies who are just like, oh, is this what sex is? And the right,
0: yeah, because I, oh I had a analog early childhood and then social media started coming about. When I was in middle school, so it was like AOL online in elementary school and then moving into social media in middle school and high school. And even for me, I just feel like our culture so often conflates violence with passion. And I feel like we've done that mm-hmm. for a long time. Like if you watch old noir films, I feel like that's a, a real common theme. And I really took that to heart. Like and I I spent a lot of time in a lot of bad relationships where I come out on the other side of it and I'm like, oh, we weren't supposed to be fighting every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so we could make up every day. That wasn't passion. That was just a bad toxic relationship. Like yeah. that's what that was coming out of it with clarity. Now I, I can't, like you said, Christina, I, I can't imagine for people who have grown up on the internet from birth basically and yeah. have been exposed to everything under the sun and it is so easy to find all of this stuff. And like Gwen said, uh, you know, <laughs> my experience with porn, it is increasingly violent. Like the stuff well, that comes up on your like yeah. recommendations on a porn hub or whatever is often very violent.
3: And what came first, you know, all of this, this manosphere talk like you brought up earlier, Gwen, with the the high value women, that kind of thing. This it's increasingly like dehumanizing women, where we're we're objects. We are um, not people who deserve rights and respect. It's you know I I really don't know where we go from there. You know, like you said, there are a lot of schools like where books are banned, the don't say gay, all of that. How do you find a healthy relationship with your own sexuality these days, let alone with a partner? And a lot of places around America, I think, is increasingly difficult. And I think the genders are getting Further polarized. Another area in this this country, we're getting more and more separated.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the books that you talked about from your parents, those at least were talking about sexual relationship as an activity of both partners <laughs> involved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Yep. Whereas yep. a lot of times, pornography is portraying sex as something that is done to a woman. As yes. right. to yeah. Is opposed to her being an active uh, an active participant and enjoying herself and understanding her own body. But the woman's body gets left out of a lot of conversations when it comes to sex ed it's she's really just like this passive recipient of sperm i guess you know and that's that's Mm -hmm. the end of the story so then the way in which to interact and respect and enjoy each other and all of the benefits of a healthy relationship like those aren't on the table as discussed the way you get a better night's sleep you know when you're with somebody you love Mm -hmm. or how you feel like Mm -hmm. you can conquer the world when you have that safety at home you know somebody's got your back and you can do that for each other it's this war like like you said, I'm seeing a lot of this gender wars of like women are supposed to be this way. Men are supposed to be this way. Yeah. And there was something that circulated on TikTok. I want to know if you saw it. This will be me where I'm going to take the man's side on this. But a, okay. a woman she was on a first date and she wouldn't get out of the car and she recorded and it was because he took her to the cheesecake factory. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm on the man's yeah. side for that. Cause I think she thought she was going to shame him. And and from my point of view, it's like, if you're not into that as a first date, then I would just not go out with the person again. Like I wouldn't blast them on social mm-hmm. media to try to shame a the person. person. But is there anything to men's complaints about women's expectations?
3: Um I think that if I mean as somebody that was on the apps like somebody making a reservation or a plan to do anything fucking huge mm-hmm. because most times it's like they they won't even make that effort I am with the man here as well. I I really I am. I'm like
0: I do I, too. The Cheesecake Factory is delicious. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the Cheesecake Factory is delicious. Wrong with that. <laughs> There's a lot of options for you if you have a lot of dietary restrictions. Exactly, it, that menu is like the Bible. It's so thick. But I mean, I think to say like, do men have any points to be made? I think that they do. I think that I almost choked on that because I think it's it's hard to say sometimes because. <laughs> the way that it is portrayed on social media very often is from this like alpha male manosphere kind of perspective. It's gross, but I do think in terms of, of course, like I think of course there are complaints that can be had on both sides. Women can be shitty, (laughs) that's feminism. No, um, but (laughs) like women can be shitty too. I do think like having the expectation forever that you need to be, you need to make a certain amount of money, I think that that can be hard I think we see it a lot in terms of height and and a lot of people don't want men to be complaining about that because we're like, well, have you seen women's standards of beauty? And it's like, yes, that's true. But I think both of those things can exist at the same time. I don't think we should be shaming men for being under six foot. I don't think we should be shaming Mm -hmm. men for taking you to the cheesecake factory. And I'm sure that a lot of that stuff does cause very real insecurity in men. And I don't think we should invalidate that just because yes. Oftentimes, women have it harder. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I'd love to know of a story. I mean, you've had, like you said, you've been doing this for six years. What is a worst date story that comes to your mind where you remember you're like, or or they got (laughs) a lot of response? something that really yeah. stands out to you. Because the first time I the, met you, you told one. me the toenail in the can was Oh. so <laughs> well, And yeah. I repeated that to so many people. That's the effectiveness of your podcast. Mm-hmm. That stood out to me, but what is something that comes to your mind?
0: Yeah, so this one I think is actually relevant to the conversation that we're having right now about kind of gender and gender roles and expectations. One that stands out to me that I made a TikTok about that got a lot of response, was this woman who went on a date it was a first date with a guy i think she'd been talking to him for a little while mm-hmm. mistake number 1 she had him pick her up from her house he arrived at her house and she's like she can tell he's not feeling well he doesn't look good she's still getting ready you know they're they're getting ready to go out but she's like just sit on this couch while i finish getting ready but you look green you look sick like do you want to just reschedule and he's like no i can do it i can push mm-hmm. through right so she's like all right whatever you say she goes in the back to to finish getting ready. And by the time she comes back out, he is looking so bad. And she is a nursing student, I believe. And so she's like, look, you look terrible. Tell me what's going on. And he kind of like sheepishly explains to her that like his... But hurts oh, no. <laughs> and he's like sweating and he's got like a fever and she's like we need to take you to the hospital so she takes him to the hospital they do find out he has some kind of infection that requires like surgery like
3: lancing, oh, yeah yeah
0: something <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he it needs to go home like they don't have any i guess he couldn't stay in the hospital but he's new to the city and he has nowhere to go they tell her they're like well he he needs someone to take care of him he can't just clean this on his own. He's going to need help with that. So she takes him first date. They have never had a meal together. She takes him to her apartment because his parents can't fly into town until like the next like weekend or something like so. So she needs to spend the weekend with him at the house. She takes him home. She spends the whole weekend taking care of this man, showering him, cleaning his wound, wound, taking care of him. And then whenever his parents do arrive, she then has to like show his mother how to clean mm-hmm. it and everything before she can send him uh, him home. And you know, she said at the end of that date, they they did not have a second date. <laughs> Things ended amicably. They are on friendly terms, but that was it. She ended up spending a whole weekend with what was supposed to just be like dinner and drinks. Oh my god! With this guy that she ended up having to take care of. She
3: worked. She worked all weekend. <laughs> she worked
0: all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! That one got a lot of response from people because a lot of people in the comments and. Especially especially women were saying like, oh, she, I, I wouldn't have done that. Like she needed to grow a backbone and say no and not let him come home with her. And you know, women are too conditioned to be caregivers and guilted into caring for people, even when it's highly, highly inconvenient. And what
3: is worse than like a man with a cold? Who's sick? even who sniffles? Oh, sick. Yeah. Oh my God, such babies.
0: Mm-hmm. The a one- man with a tummy ache.
3: Yeah. <laughs> the one I always think of the one that just like keeps me up at night is like a man and woman were going out of town. On their way, the man wanted to stop at his family's house to like grab something. She's like, oh great, can I use the bathroom? You know, I, ha- I kind of have to pee. And uh, he's like, look kind of cagey about it, but he's like, yeah, 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 okay. She gets in this bathroom and the pff, there's like a radiator in there where used toilet paper is being dried <laughs> for reuse, <laughs> and they're like a wealthy family, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. No. but they reuse toilet paper. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she
3: is, I mean, understandably uh, bothered, <laughs> but-
0: the well, you drip dry, right, in that <laughs> yeah. situation, Oh, obviously. God, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And the guy defends the practice. He's like, doesn't see anything anything wrong with that about reusing toilet paper. Oh, my God. I mean, it sounds like UTI It to does. Me.
0: It does sound – it sounds like that's how you end up in the <laughs> other position where you have some – you get a, a exactly. butt infection. I
1: don't even know you don't have to have how you bring that up as a deal breaker because it's a deal breaker I wouldn't have ever have thought that needed to go on the list. No. <laughs> We've had a
3: lot of those where I'm like, wow, I just need to get the notebook out because we've had people bringing like puppets, legit puppets on dates, there puppets in trunks. There
0: are weird themes. We've had a yeah. few dates that involved puppets and or stuffed animals. We've had a few dates where an unexpected funeral was involved, where yeah. they, they've taken their date to a funeral on a first date Yeah, and not told them you know, there's been some strange themes. People not eating with utensils. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hand hands.
3: Hand, hand <laughs> yeah. eaters. Like, and not eating chicken fingers like either. Like potatoes. Whole rice pilaf. And- <laughs> Just-
1: oh, my God. <laughs> Well, what yeah. is the what is the draw because I mean love stories are from time I mean we've got Shakespeare, you know, like to any movie that Jennifer Lopez is in, love stories, songs, music, we all love the romance, but this uptick in these stories about dating and even The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, like people are absolutely obsessed. Not with the romance, but all the stuff that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. The yeah, drama. Oh, it's the drama. Is that what it is? Like, are we just? Because th- I think that this is it's relatively rubbernecking new.
3: I think it's rubbernecking. It's the same as it's always been. From whenever I hear my neighbors oh, raised gosh. voices, immediately you're I'm turning the TV the down. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you're turning the TV down so you can listen to your neighbors argue. I have put my ear to my wall <laughs> yes. to hear my neighbors fight before. So I, I do think it is that it's mess. Yeah, we like something messy that we are not involved in mm-hmm. at all that mm-hmm. we don't have to partake in at all that we can view at a safe distance i think right. it's, it's similar to how we feel about true crime too oh, yeah you yeah. Know? yeah we want to be able to view it safely from the comfort of our couch or you know if it's a podcast our car.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: I wanna weigh in. I wanna know all the details. I wanna
3: know whose I wanna side have an I'm opinion. on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know that through podcasting, through doing good is in the details, and Rudy's talked about this too, but it's changed us just by the process of it like it's part of who you are you start to look at the world differently how has doing this over the last six years how has it changed you the the you that started six years ago to the you you are now like your view of the world or the way you are wow
3: oh my gosh well I think that it has made me I think that I'm married today because of the podcast I think that I think that a lot of processing my my own points of view mm-hmm. and just sitting and talking every week with my girlfriends has really shown me what I think is important in a relationship, healed me enough to be in a healthy relationship. So like for me, I think it's made me a better partner. It's made me a better listener and a better friend so
0: wow (laughs) wow that's beautiful (laughs) um i would say similarly i think it has solidified my views and opinions because i talk about this stuff every week now so Mm -hmm. i i know myself so much better. Yeah. I know exactly what my actual opinions are on things. I know what my expectations are for a partner and just for people in general. Yeah. Um, I also, on maybe the more cynical, more negative side, have a better understanding of what people are actually capable of because we say it all the time. You know, we just recorded an episode earlier today and we, we were talking about it is so wild the things that people will think are okay to say and do out loud to strangers. Mm -hmm. in public, you know, and those are things that, like we said in the beginning, whenever Christina was telling us all these stories, I was like, no way, no way, no way. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's how people are. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There are lots of people out there, but also people are so resilient Yeah. because I did see everything that you went through Christina when dating and I I see it as well with these stories that come in and they don't give up. They go back out there and they try again in a way that I think is really inspiring because I would be so tempted to just be like, you know what, the right person will find me in my home. I'm not going anywhere, you know. (laughs)
3: Do you think
1: that dating apps are a good thing or are they an addiction? Or what do we do about people who are on them and they're being disingenuous? Like they're in a relationship, but then they're on the apps. Like I see a Mm -hmm. lot of horror stories about people finding out, thinking they're in long-term relationships and then finding out that the partner has been on all of these apps.
3: Yeah, that's, that's awful. Dating apps, I think, are the same as fire in that it can be a tool and it could be destructive and I think that whoever is wielding said tool gets to decide if it is destructive or if it's like I never would have crossed paths with my husband if it weren't for Tinder. We're not in the same parts of the city, like nothing at all would have brought us together. Well, who knows, you know, but at that time I was, I felt like it was a good tool to meet people. But I definitely, I think the issue is the people that are using it, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the, mindset of the user. It definitely is very easy to get that dopamine hit when you get matches. And there were times when I was endlessly swiping mindlessly on a Wednesday night for no reason other than it just felt good to hear the.
0: Mm-hmm. when you get a match. Yeah, I think when you gamify anything, it's really tricky. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what we've done with dating in a lot of ways. We've distanced ourselves from the reality of it. I think we've done that a lot with technology and social media where there is this space that exists now that didn't exist before. And I think that that can be really scary because it makes people less real to you. Yeah. And that is can be disconcerting. But what I will say is I think that there's a lot of horror stories about people being in relationships relationships and also messing around on apps but oftentimes i feel like those people would have found a way to do it anyway. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if that's what you need, if you need that kind of like validation from strangers all the time, you're gonna find a way to get it. i mean, in the 70s, you were probably cruising Going and hanging on out in bars. business. Trips. <laughs> yes, yes. yeah. yeah, i mean, and we've been to enough podcast conferences to know that i'm like if people want to be shady,
3: yeah, when absolutely. the
0: cats away, etc., they will do that. i don't know that the apps are to blame in that way I think the apps can be and have been and we have seen them be very problematic for a number of reasons but people are people
1: <laughs> yeah Well, something that I hadn't thought about I think I was a little bit hard on the the swiping culture and one of my students pointed out that he he was not straight and there weren't that many people around him who were like him and the apps were a way for a safe way for him mm-hmm. to connect with somebody and mm-hmm. I thought oh okay yeah. I had not even looked at it that way
0: yeah you No, I feel that way about the internet in general, right? There's like a lot of things and I can go on and on and have about the ways in which the internet and social media are harmful. On the other side of things, when you think about people who are in marginalized communities or are part of minority groups, like I was a black girl in a small town in Missouri and having access to the internet, it does open up your world to know that like, there is stuff outside of this. I think that that can be a really beautiful thing. It can yeah. connect you to community and remind you that the world isn't this big, you know, there's stuff out there. And I think that dating apps can be really helpful in that way as well. That there's, there's a whole wide world out there. It's not just what's right in front of you, but that can also be the harm of it. <laughs> I, you know, I think about how long it takes me to find something to watch. <laughs> I can spend an hour, just scrolling through different streaming mm-hmm. services, trying to find something to watch. And even if I find something that maybe I wanna watch, I'm like, but maybe there's something better on the next page, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> That I wanna watch more.
3: Or you finally pick something and then you open up TikTok yeah. <laughs> and do TikToks while that's And then you playing. keep rewinding it
0: <laughs> because you've missed something important, I have to keep going back. And I imagine that, that apps are similar and that can be really damaging, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think it's a double-edged sword. I Think there's pros and cons not very helpful right <laughs> but
3: i think if you are clear on what you're using it for and you're safe and i think that ultimately i think it can be a good thing and you'll get to meet people and get different perspectives and and have fun experiences but it's it took me a, a while to get to that place for the apps. Dating is always going to be awkward yes. <laughs> and fraught with misunderstandings and everything. So I think the app just makes it easier to have more of those
1: <laughs> experiences. Mm-hmm. I saw so, that you covered yeah. a little bit about the Facebook groups that are, um, are we dating the same guy? And mm-hmm. I yes. had been, so I've seen that because I, it's addictive. I can't help it. It's like the same reason why I like your mm-hmm. podcast. I think it's the the. Tra- Wreck. Like it's just kind of fun to listen to to this. But I also noticed that there was a real safety issue for the women who are sharing the stories mm-hmm. and that that's kind of the thing that women have always done. Like, you know, that it's been downgraded as gossip, but it's actually women communicate with each other to keep each other safe. Mm-hmm. Do you have what? what is your just for our audience? What is your take on this Facebook group of are we dating the same guy?
3: Love it. Love it. Couldn't love it more goes back to what I was saying earlier about like the community that we've created with the podcast is the thing that's most precious to me. And so I think when you are dating, the more that you can lean on your girlfriends or your community, it feels like this online community that's all in it together. I think it's it's preventing people from dangerous situations. There's definitely the, what was it? That guy in mm-hmm. Chicago that we were talking about on the podcast that was just like being, awful so other women being like hey don't date this guy he's awful i think that's incredible i applaud it there should be one in every city small town the whole Did thing you find
1: that there's this exhaustion with dating like it just seems like a lot of people are opting out of dating mm-hmm. well keegan you said that people but people come back but like i guess people need a break I don't know.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think oftentimes people are resilient. They do keep trying, but I do think the longer we see this app culture, the more times someone gets burned, the less likely they are to continue to engage. I do think that that is something that I've seen and I get it. Like I, I absolutely empathize with just wanting to like take a step back and try and meet people in real life. I think that that's really what it is. It's not saying like, uh, I don't want to date anymore, period. It's saying, you know what? Let's take it back to basics. Maybe I'll meet somebody at the bar. Maybe yes. I'll meet somebody at my workplace. Maybe I'll meet someone at the library while I'm picking out a book. But I'm not going to make it this thing that I'm hyper fixated on or hyper focused on. We're just going to, if it happens, it happens. I'm seeing a little bit more of that.
3: Yeah. And I think, too, the more that we, you know, you you mentioned like in the 70s, we couldn't even have credit cards. But now as women, we get to have careers. We get to have our friends. We get to have our hobbies. We get to have all these different fulfilling things in our lives that mm-hmm. dating can be a good, fun part of that. But I just don't see it as the huge important part that it used to be you know my yeah, friendships I, yeah. hold a lot of importance to me my career does my hobby does you know when i was dating it made me think like oh this person needs to fit into this and and be like a boost for this but mm-hmm. it's not it's not my whole happiness anymore so i think the more options that we as people have in other fulfilling things in our lives, like the whole dating thing doesn't seem as important, I guess.
0: Right. And I think that that's when you leave yourself open to making the best decisions when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. I think when you have this kind of like desperation mindset where you're swiping, 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 always looking, always looking, trying Mm -hmm. to find someone, I think it can lead you to make bad decisions in dating. Whereas if you decenter it from your life and make it just something that can enhance your life, right? It's like salt <laughs> right you don't yes. want it. it's just something that just kind of enhances the flavor of mm-hmm. your life then I think you're more likely to make a stronger more lasting yeah. choice so I actually kind of like it I, I wouldn't say opt out you know like people are opting out but like I like that people are decentering romantic relationships and I do think we are seeing more of that we had that discussion that Gen Z in particular is kind of like decentering romance in their media, I think also in their lives, and I think that that can be a really powerful thing to make it something that is it's just it's a part of your life. It's not your life. Your whole goal shouldn't be about finding a partner. Your whole life shouldn't be about finding a partner. Yeah, you should be finding yes. yourself. Yes, and that's so. the thing
1: is that when yeah. you are in that process of doing what it is that you love, that's where you are going to find your people. But what I'm worried mm-hmm. about is that people are on the phone swiping so much that it's actually interfering from them doing what it is that makes them them. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to find the people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, my fear is that like, and I I see it in myself too, and I've discussed this post-lockdown, going out is hard. People are going out less, Mm -hmm. uh, less than ever. It never was hard for me until we were all stuck inside for two years. And now I find I need like a jump start to get myself out the door and in public and with people. And I think that a lot of people feel that way. They have these very kind of rich, for lack of a better term, online worlds and communities that they've created that they don't feel as much of a need to go out in the same way. And I think that that could yield some pretty interesting results dating-wise moving forward. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what that looks like because for me, I was never on the, on the apps, like all of my relationships, everyone I've dated, I met in life through interests or just being in the same place at the same time Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so i i don't i don't know what that looks like to have an entire generation of people who've met online Mm. i don't know
1: well for any of our listeners out there who have a good worst date story how do they get in touch with you to tell you
3: oh you, you can go to our one-stop shop of a website it is myworstdatepodcast.com and uh, yeah, we have a form so you can submit your stories there.
1: Keegan, Christina, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. The time flew by. The time flew by. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
3: this is great. I love the questions. It's such a great in-depth conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely have to do this again. <laughs>
1: you Well, yes, you've got endless content and I have endless questions. So this is, this is going to happen again
2: for sure. <laughs> Good is in the Details is produced by Dr. Gwendolyn Dalsky and Rudy Salo. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please scroll down to the bottom and hit that five-star review. Take a screenshot of this episode or your favorite and tag us on Instagram, Good is in the Details pod. or also on Facebook, Good is in the Details pod. And if you have any questions, comments, want to get in touch, have an idea for a show, Good is in the Details pod at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our show notes to get your link for CLM creations. Good is in the details is brought to you by avonmoreinc.com. Do you or your friends play bridge? You got to check out avonmoreinc.com. They have everything you need for your next bridge party. Coasters, cards, tallies, even cute napkins. Go to avonmoreinc.com and let them know Good is in the details sent you.